everybody. Wow. Spirit blow. Spirit move. That was awesome. So good. On a good Friday. I'm really hot. No, sorry, not me, the microphone. But that's okay. Ah. Uh, why do we call it Good Friday? If you really think about it, it's, it's kind of a bummer day, a little over 2,000 years ago. But it had to happen, because if it didn't happen, then you and I wouldn't be here right now <laughs> in the church, because Christianity would have been defeated. But you see, even the death, Christianity still could have been okay. But on Sunday, we're going to celebrate another day, a, a day early than Monday, because it was three days. But we're going to celebrate on Sunday something that actually gave Christianity its power and authority. Jesus hung on a cross. In pain, suffering, and he died. Breathed his last. We call it a good Friday for the sake that what he did was for our good. It wasn't so much for his good, even though he did get lifted higher above all names. The lamb that was worthy to be slain, and he fulfilled all the prophecies that had led up to that point about the Son of God coming, the Messiah, to this earth. And you know, I was uh, just thinking about tonight, I was thinking, Lord, you know, so many times when I was growing up in the church, we, we kind of just were really kind of down and depressed on this night. We kind of were mourning the loss, the death of Jesus. And I told our young adult band, I said, I actually don't want to mourn his death. I, I want us to celebrate that he is alive. <laughs> but the reality is, is that he was sent by the Father to walk this earth, and he walked it perfectly for 30 years. And then something started to happen in his life, and John the Baptist baptized him. And then he started walking his next three years after every attack of the devil known to man hit him in the desert. But the Holy Spirit led him there. The angels attended to him, and he didn't fail. And so if you think about it, 33 years on this earth, he gave us an opportunity to walk into the promises that the Father has given him, that the, he opened the door for us to live in those promises, that we don't have to live in the turmoil and the toils of this earth. And people say, you know, and I know what Paul says, I know what Peter says, I've read the scriptures in and out, but you know, I grew up in a, a more religious perspective where I felt like we had to carry our cross all the time. And if we weren't carrying our cross, then we weren't really being a good Christian person, but I want to let you know, that was a hunk of wood 
that represented pain and agony and death. That the cross, Jesus wasn't the only one that died on a cross. <laughs> many, many bad people died on the cross. And so when someone would see a cross, it was the symbol of pain, agony, and death, torture. And so for me, I'm like, hold it. Yes, the cross, this piece of wood, this tree that was cut down, and he was nailed to this tree, hung on this tree with a crown of thorns, put onto his head, spit upon, beaten, bruised, whipped, and lashed for yours and my miracle. And he's hanging on this cross, and everything is mock. Everyone's mocking him. And oh, I can imagine what the little devil was doing. At that time, he was bigger. He was bigger because man had given the devil the power and authority through Adam and Eve's sin. And so he was bigger in the sense that he could actually tempt Jesus and go after Jesus. But Jesus lived an example for you and me so you and I can live an example for our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, and our families. We don't always make the best example. Be honest, how many of you have not been always the best example? Just put your hand up. Okay, some of you have your hand down, but that's okay. I know I have not always been the best example, but that's what I love about an empty cross and an empty tomb. Because through that empty tomb, all my faults and all my issues and problems can be forgiven and are forgiven through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to read quickly in, um, uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. This is where Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Now, my wife and I were in Jerusalem, what was that, four weeks ago? Three, four weeks ago. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Interesting that he is declaring his sufferings and his death will come from the religious rulers. Then Peter, verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke Jesus. How many of you just love to study the life of Peter? Like, this guy's something else. Like, he is... He is out there. He is verbal. If you study his life, he is like, just blurts it all out. Speak before he think. Does anybody know someone like that? Don't point to your spouse. So Peter, in verse 22, took Jesus aside. Like, at least he didn't rebuke him in front of everybody. At least he was honoring and pulled him aside. Something we all could learn a little bit. Don't rebuke him in front of people. Pull him aside and rebuke him. He's only the Lord. <laughs> Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus turns in verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. You know what? I wonder how many of you would appreciate if I said that to you. <laughs> Next time you got a problem and you bring it to me and I turn around and look at you and say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> uh, we'd probably shrink the church or something. I don't know. 
Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. We're not even saying just get behind me. We're calling him Satan, and he's an offense. For you are not mindful, and this is the explanation. I, just before I finish that last verse, let's just slip back about six, seven verses. And we'll go into, this is in, in, in the same chapter in verse 18. Verse, the, the first verses before this, Jesus is saying, who do you think I am? And so they're saying, oh, you're Jonah, Barjona, you're this, you're that. But Peter, he's, Peter, remember? Peter, a few verses before this, he says in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But yet what, six verses later, seven verses later, get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me, Peter. What's the difference between these few short verses? It's a very simple perspective. When Peter, no matter who who his attitude was, how he acted, when he was hearing something revelatory from the Father, then he had a revelation and he was a rock of the ecclesia, which is the church, the governmental structure. But as soon as his mind started thinking beyond the hearing of the Lord, of God, when he heard from God the revelation, on this revelation, Peter, that you heard from my father, on this revelation, Peter, I will build my ecclesia. Ecclesia isn't a biblical term. It's a Roman term. And ecclesia meant the legal governmental structure where the gatherings of the leaders of the village, the town, would come together and Rome would come in and meet and, and, and work with the ecclesia to turn the town into a Roman empire. And so here Jesus is saying, if you hear from my father like that, Peter, I'm going to build my governmental structure on this earth. It's called my kingdom. Because he says in verse uh, 17, and Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades of hell shall not prevail against it. When you have this mindset, when you are hearing from my Father, when you have the revelation of his word in your heart, then hell will not prevail against you. And I will give you the keys because I can't give you the keys until you start thinking supernaturally from the kingdom of my Father. But when you start thinking like that, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should not tell. They should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Again, the very next verse, Jesus talks about that he's going to have to suffer. He's going to go into Jerusalem. They all knew Jerusalem didn't like him at this point in time. 
And then Peter says in the very next verse after that, and rebuke Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said to that same man, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Do you see when this man Peter was living with the mindful things of God in his heart and his mind, he becomes the governmental structure of the supernatural kingdom of heaven at hand. But as soon as he started thinking in his earthly mindset, in his earthly way, he loses that opportunity and he moves down into a rebuke from Jesus. And I felt in my heart that tonight, 2019, Good Friday, we would have an option. An option to think as a human understanding or an option to listen to a supernatural kingdom. Because I'll tell you what, when we think with the human understanding, I'm starting to realize more and more in my own life that the more I think with my human understanding, the farther away I am from his kingdom, the farther away I am from his truth, the farther away I am from his favor and blessings and struggles and problems and issues and health and all these problems start to come my way. And I felt like tonight there was going to be an option of a trigger, a shift for this weekend. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see. I was talking to my son-in-law, Chris, and uh, uh, earlier today, and he had some really neat things. And I'm going to just spin over to uh, 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 Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45, Jesus dies on the cross. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, Hebrew calendar, that'd say about noonday, noon to three. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Uh, That pretty much would probably speak loudly to a lot of people who just saw this man crucified. You kind of, if you know it's noon, nice sunny, hot day, and you're outside and, and you're watching a crucifixion of a man that people are calling the Messiah, the Savior, a healing man, working of miracles, and all of a sudden uh, it goes dark at noon, like not a cloud, dark at noon for three hours. That'd be impressive. Like, that would mess me up a little bit, would it you? Like, let's just be real with each other. I mean, I haven't had, oh, we had an eclipse, I know. Yeah, for three hours, no. <laughs> we had an eclipse. Well, <laughs> however God did this, the timing was absolutely impeccable. 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli. Lama sabachani, that is, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? I would assume that possibly from noon to three, he felt forsaken by his father and it went dark. Some people would say it was just for a moment. I've preached just a moment. But I feel like it went dark for a reason. Because all of a sudden, there was a separation of a father and a son who has never felt that separation before. Because the worst feeling we can have is no family. It's one of the things we've worked so hard at here in Windward is let's build family. Let's not do mega church. Let's just build family. If we can get family together, then maybe we'll start learning and growing in a greater capacity. And some of those in verse 7, some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yield up his spirit. Some of the gospels, into, into your hands I commit my spirit, O Father. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. So, last week, I just began to delve into what that meant to have the veil torn. I want to go back for a minute into Genesis 3.22, where the moment that the first couple, Adam and Eve, were escorted out of the Garden of Eden. And it says, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and and therefore live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove them out and placed a cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree. I don't know about you, but I imagine that that was not, that wasn't, just a, a solemn experience. I haven't had my son yet, but I can't even imagine for a minute, once he is born, wanting to let go of him, wanting to have that separation. So I imagine a tear-filled father leading his children out. I imagine after a choice was made that he was not, he was not happy about this. I imagine a tear-filled father escorting them out and saying, you don't understand this yet, and you may never, ever, ever understand this, what the cost it will take. This is reversible, but it's going to cost everything, and you don't know that yet. And then, after thousands of years of separation, of a lack of intimacy, 
of only hearing the voice of the, of the priests and the prophets. And a veil was set up in the temple to separate us from the, the holy of holies, to separate the inner courts and the outer courts and even the priests themselves, because only one time a year did they go into the Holy of Holies. And even then, they put a bell on his foot so that if he died in the presence of the Lord, they could pull him back out. After that separation is put up, thousands of years, he's here. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, in flesh on the earth. Thirty years, he builds that intimacy with the Father reigniting what it means to be intimate with his dad. The second Adam, rebuilding what it means to be intimate. And then three years of beautiful ministry after being baptized, going into the desert, and then miracles, signs, wonders, dead raisings. And then it takes a week. He rides into the city. He is the born blood king the rightful heir to the Jewish throne. Rides in triumphantly. They want to make him king. They want to pronounce him king. They want to put the throne underneath him and a crown on his head. And then a few days later, things just start to spiral. Crown of thorns, lashes placed on a cross for all to see. And then, as the earth shakes and the Savior cries out, it is finished. I don't believe he was just talking about his time on earth or his ministry. I believe he was saying, it's finished. The, the time without me, the time of the lack of intimacy, it's done. I gave everything for you so that that could be done. And the veil tore. I think so many times we look at Sunday as the day to rejoice. Sunday is the day. Easter Sunday, that's the day when we come and we say, now it's happy. Now Jesus is alive. But Sunday was the day when he built the new covenant. When he, but when he died is when he tore down the old one. The veil wasn't torn on Sunday morning when he, when he rolled away the stone. The veil was torn the moment he breathed his last. Intimacy was restored by the death, not by the resurrection. We sit here and we sometimes, I grew up very traditionally too, candlelight service, we moan, we cry, but it's happy. I don't think Jesus is looking down and saying, yeah, moan about my death because that's what I want. I think he's saying, I gave it all. The father is saying, I bankrupt my kingdom for you. I gave my greatest treasure, everything I had in a flesh to be there for you. So the intimacy could be restored. I imagine the ranks of the supernatural sitting there. And all of hell rejoicing because they think they've won. They think they've done it. They think they've got it. It's in the bag. Heaven's greatest treasure, we got him. But I imagine the ranks of the angelic, because they see that veil's torn. 
they know the significance. They're sitting there with breath held, knowing it's the still before the cry of victory. It's not the time to moan. It's the time to polish your sword, to get ready. Because the still before the victory is where we exist. Going back to that garden, Father saying, you don't know how much this is going to cost. Transferring ahead, second Adam saying, you know how much this is going to cost. But I want to do it. His flesh didn't want to do it because he cried out in the Garden of Eden. If this is possible, let it pass from me. But his spirit was willing and knew that only by death of pure blood, only by death could intimacy be restored. I think tonight there's a lot of people here who've let your intimacy go. Who have traded intimacy with God for intimacy with the world even. We don't look at tonight for mourning or crying, but tonight is the still before the victory. Tonight is the night intimacy was restored. The earth shook and the veil was torn. Amen. Verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. You see, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn, as Chris said. Because to end a covenant, there had to be death. Blood had to be shed. Sacrifices, because of Adam and Eve, sin in the garden, they had to kill animals and sacrifice. Blood had to be shed for them to try to get into the presence, to try to get the blessing. I shouldn't say the presence, but to get the blessing. An interesting thought as Chris was speaking, and I, I, I have not really processed it, but I'll go ahead and say it. We know that when Jesus died, that's when the old covenant ended. The veil was torn. I wonder if the priest or anybody could have gone into the temple for three days. You see, behind that veil, it had to be so thick. Some say up to three feet. Some say up to six feet. But a three-foot veil out of a, a materials that are sewn and woven, sewn and woven, sewn and woven three-foot-thick veil, and the priest would pull lots as to who was going to go in, or under a certain time frame, which year which priest would go. And like Chris said, they had a little bell on the robe and a rope tied around their ankle. And if the bell quit jingling, the other priest pulled the rope and got him out of there. Because no one could see the fullness of presence of God, or they would die. And so all this through the Ark of the Covenant, through the, through the temple and the veil, and Jesus breathes his last, and a three-foot-thick curtain 
gets torn from top. Is it top to bottom or bottom to top? Why do you think that? Because it's not from earth to heaven, it's from heaven to earth. It's the same reason Peter, in a few verses before he was getting rebuked, he was being celebrated because he was thinking from heaven to earth. But then when Jesus was declaring his own death, Peter didn't want to miss him. He wanted to be macho protector, maybe. I'm going to protect you. Maybe he... He just didn't want Jesus. He didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say about his death. He didn't want to believe it. He had just declared a few verses earlier that you're the son of God. You can't die now. I just declared it. So come aside, Jesus. Come on, let me talk with you a little bit here. That's not going to happen like you said because I'm here. And because at that moment, Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, he was now thinking from earth towards heaven instead of heaven towards earth. He didn't realize Peter had veiled. The veil hadn't ripped yet. But Peter didn't realize the fullness of what all had to transpire. You and I, we look back 2,000 years ago and we study it and it's easy. Oh, yeah, this is what happened But the reality is, is it easy? You see, sometimes we get so much knowledge, we don't do anything good with the knowledge. Sometimes we learn so much, so many different theologies or perspectives. I mean, how many of you have ever heard something strange on Facebook or social media? I mean, there's so many theologies going around out there. It's crazy. But you see, it doesn't matter the fullness of what you think. What matters is the fullness of what he knows. And what he knows is in this book. And this book was written. That whole New Testament is written for no veil. The whole Old Testament was written in Old Covenant with a veil. But everything in the Old Testament is leading towards something that had to happen. And blood had to be shed. And the veil was torn. Which in an interpretation, what kept the presence of God from killing the people was the old covenant law and the veil. But now the old covenant law has been broken and the veil has been torn from heaven to earth. So the reality is it's let the presence of God out into this earth. But who's the earth? Well, you and I were created out of a lot of dust. I think, matter of fact, when you die, if you don't do anything with your body, I think it kind of goes 
back to that dust. It's a little ugly in the process. And when some of the, the, the Pharisees of the day, Sadducees, were talking to Jesus and they said, where is the kingdom of God? And what did he say? The kingdom of God is within. It's within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, but the kingdom of God is within. And so what happened when that veil was torn, the option, when Jesus rose from the grave, the option became you become the temple. And the only thing that can hold you back from advancing in your calling, in your destiny, in everything God has for you. The only thing that can hold you back is if you think from earth to heaven. And when we think from earth to heaven, I would surmise to say from the scriptures I've read tonight that some might look at you in heaven and say, get behind me, Satan. Because you're not thinking the right way. You're going the wrong direction, dude. Like your thoughts are about self. It's about this earth. It's about the things going wrong. It's the problems. It's the issues. Oh, it's my headache. It's whatever it is. It's, if it's earthly and it's dominating you, then you're... You've put a veil up. And you put a veil up in your own life to block him out of your temple. But that's not the destiny of death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The destiny was so you and I would no longer have a veil between the Father. So you and I would think from heaven to earth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Heaven on earth. I feel in my heart something tonight. I want to confirm something that even Chris gave a word for to me. And he asked me about it. He had a vision. And I believe that every one of us need to think about this tonight. We need to think and say, well, hold it. You know, where am I at right now? Well, it's been a tough work week and things are going on and this and that. And, you know, I'm poor, I got no money or whatever it is. Oh, I just got diagnosed, whatever it is. If we're thinking with an earthly mindset, then there's a veil up in your life. You can look great on the outside. You can, you can be here Sunday mornings. You can be here Friday nights. You can be wherever. You, you can go after God, but, but you're feeling like there's just something, like you're still tired or you're still weary or there's just something holding you back or, or whatnot. It's probably right between our ears. Because I guarantee you, Jesus didn't die so you could be held back. He died so you and I would be held up. And that we would go higher and higher and higher and higher in his presence. That we would walk with a power and with an authority in our lives. 
and that we would look at the dirty little devil and we would say, get behind me, Satan. But I kind of think tonight some of us might need to say that about our own thoughts. Get behind me, Satan. I need a transformed mind. I need a renewed mind in my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, the Christ. And so I want to ask you tonight, as the music's playing right now, I'm going to call the band up too, but I just want to ask you, if you think you want to make that decision tonight, that, that maybe there's just a, a little bit of human mind thoughts, I know that's everyone, because if you don't have human mind thoughts, tell me how you did it. But I feel like we need to make a declaration. See, Jesus made a declaration, what we're celebrating tonight, but he hung on a cross to do it, and he died to make a declaration. And I think sometimes we just have to make a declaration. We have to die to self. We have to die to our own mind. We have to die to our own thoughts. We have to die to any sin that is in our lives. We, there's not one person in this room that is holy, holy, holy. Well, there's some holy genes in this room, but no one's holy, holy, holy. Now I want to ask you tonight. Let's all stand. I want to ask you tonight. As the band gets ready to play, I'm gonna, we're going to play some some young people music, some young adult worship. But I'm gonna ask you before we go there, is there a veil? Is there a veil, like something that's separating you from the fullness of what God has for you? Are you tired and weary and heavy laden? Are you struggling with a sin? Are you struggling with a sickness, an illness? Are you, are, is there something that you just want to find that, that partner? You want to, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, is there something that you're struggling with? Is there a doctor's report that's been bothering you? Let me tell you the doctor that I know. Hey, I, I have a doctor. He, he's a great, he's my family doctor, and he birthed every one of our children. I love him. He's a great Christian man. But even he knows, and I know, that we know a better doctor. <laughs> and I just, I just feel that if we don't drive ourselves farther forward into his presence and his glory, then we're going to get left behind. We're going to get depressed, they get frustrated, whatever it is. I don't want the Lord looking at me and me something come out of my mouth and he has to look at me and say, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking with an earthly mindset, Brent Borthwick. You were supposed to know better than that. All the encounters, all the experiences you've gone through, why do you think with an earthly mindset? Oh no, Jesus wouldn't say that. He'd say, oh Peter, get behind no, I think Jesus was a very strong, physically fit man. 
He knew how to irritate the temple people that were selling the products in the temple. And he was smart enough to get out of there before they caught him. I just want to ask you, I want to encourage you. This is Easter weekend, 2019. You're never going to celebrate this weekend again. You have one chance at this weekend. Tonight, you have one chance at this night. So I want to call you forward. If you feel in your heart that there is some sort of a veil that you want to lift, or maybe you don't think there's a veil, well, then you do have a veil. Let me let you know. Well, I don't think I have a veil. I'm doing really great. You know what? I will guarantee you, you can do better. I know it. I know it. I'm doing really, really great. I, like, I, like, I'm really happy. I'm really excited. I'm off to Mexico, uh, Pakistan, and South Korea all in the next three and a half weeks. And, and I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm energetic right now. I should be tired, but I'm not. I, I'm going after more. But you know what? There's still a veil in here. And I want to thin that veil out. Matter of fact, I want that veil to just disappear in Jesus' name. I, I don't want my mind to get in the way. I don't want my mind to get in the way. I don't want past experiences, people cursing me or saying bad things about me. I don't care. I just love them and bless them in Jesus' name. It's like we just have to go forward. You know, you had a bad relationship. Let it go. Quit living in the effects of a bad relationship. Let it go because there's a better relationship. And he hung on the cross and he died for you and me to come into the best relationship we could have with his Father God. So before we sing a song, I'm going to ask you, if you feel that you need want to come up front here, come on up right now. It's not going to last long. I just give you an opportunity. I'm coming up to stand in the front too because I don't want any veil. Chris mentioned about intimacy. This is what we're talking about. Getting back to the intimacy with the Father. Getting back to the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Getting back to the intimacy. And you might say, well, I'm already intimacy. There's a deeper intimacy that we're going into. We can go deeper and deeper. Deep cries out to deep. We must go deeper in the intimacy with God. We must go deeper. We have to lose ourselves. We have to lose our mind for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray here tonight. I pray, Lord God, as every one of us is standing up here from, I pray, Father, that there is not anything that's creating a veil in us. I pray, Lord God, that any veil be split tonight from heaven to earth, Lord God, in each of our lives. Father, we are crying out for more glory. We are crying out for your glory to invade us in a mighty way. I ask you tonight, Lord Jesus, that this good Friday night is even a better Friday night tonight. We're going after you, and we're going after the fullness, and we're going to take what you did, Jesus, on the cross. Because you, you finished the old covenant. You finished and broke the old covenant and you brought us back into that relationship that we can have with Father God. And so I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, if there's sickness in this house, be gone now in Jesus' name. If there's a headaches, go now in Jesus' name. If there's a kidney issue, get out in Jesus' name. Whatever blood disorder, go in Jesus' name. 
whatever the problems, if there's if there's a, a, an issue financially, go now in Jesus' name. Let our mind make wise decisions. Let our mind work for your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, Lord God. This is what we're asking for. This is what we're going after, Father. Lord, bad relationships, if we can't repair them or if they're unrepairable, then we release them off our back now in Jesus' name. We will not hold on to the problems of the past, Father, but we will rise up tonight into the blessings of the future in Jesus' name. Right now, you know, every second is future. Future, oh, you missed it. Oh, you missed future. Oh, there goes future. Oh, there goes future. You and I can change future right now, starting in our own life first. Uh, there's future, there's future, there's future, there's future. Every minute, every second of the day, we have the power to change our future, uh, our destiny on this earth. Why? Because the veil puts you into a destiny that's locked into old covenant law. It's locked into law. Listen to what I'm saying. Law, 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 law. Uh-uh. Of course, these are biblical rules, biblical guidelines. No, they're rules. This is the law. But Jesus Christ broke off old covenant law to bring us new covenant structure into our lives. Into our lives. And so, Father God, we are living tonight in expectation. <laughs> expectation already right now. We are expecting. One, we have expected a veil to have been broken, been thinned, been ripped from top to bottom in our minds, in our lives. We expect now veils to be broken in our friends, in our families, in our businesses, in our jobs. We're expecting, Lord God. We come to you with expectation. We come to you with the expectation of greater things and greater glory. We come to you with the expectations of the riches of your kingdom to invade us in such a level that we just won't know what to do with it all. So it'll flow overflow. It'll pour out of us and it will touch the people around us this is our expectation father this is our expectation holy spirit and this is our expectation jesus christ <laughs> oh yes lord oh yes lord and i want to encourage you if you want to be baptized this sunday bring a change of clothes uh, and get here at 9 30 we're going to talk about baptism you know someone that wants to be baptized in that tank right there come early on Sunday. We're going to have communion on Sunday as well too. I tell you what people, I feel it in my bones. There's a rattling in the bones right now of life, of spirits. Oh, dry bones. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. <laughs> Rise up. Rise up. Rise up, rise up, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen.